Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Today we're going to share about God's heart for us for this year. We, we, we believe he, it's, it's His vision for the church. I do believe it's His vision for the church, global church. Um, it's for everyone. But for us, I believe it's something in season in, um, to lay down something strong in our foundation. I believe we need to see life through these eyes or these lenses. We need to see and do things through the perspective of the father and his family. That's what we're talking about. The vision for 2019 is the father and his family, that we are actually family. To get that understanding, to get that revelation, that when you go to church, you're you're gathering as a family. You're not just going to church. You're not just attending church. And so we have to change the way we do church because you are the church and we are family. And we need to, everything we decide, the way we live out our faith, the way we uh, relate to one another, it's in the context of we belong to the Father, God's the Father, God the Father, and we are His family. And in the Bible, the Word of God, it's all over. Jesus was accused of saying that God was his father. The greatest revelation that Jesus came to bring was God as our father. And he was accused to the point where they wanted to kill him because how could he say God was his father? That's found in John chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. John chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, it says, But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They they were insulted. How could this man, they saw him as a man, how could he say God was his father? So the greatest revelation you and I can receive from God is the fact that he's a father. You know, when they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, John's disciples, they, they teach, his, John taught his disciples to pray. Pharisees taught their disciples to pray. But Lord, teach us to pray. They could tell his connection to God was his secret to power, miracles, signs, wonders, all the things that he was doing. They were asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I love Jesus' response. He says, when you pray, say, our father. That is the, the greatest revelation you'll ever get, our Father. How do you approach God? How should I approach God? Father, Daddy. The Bible says that He has given us His Holy Spirit and He poured His Spirit upon us that we would cry out, Abba, Father. The word Abba is Daddy. It's Papa. It's, it's an it's a endearing word, not just title like Father, but Daddy. The word Father is powerful. I believe God in his existence, he, he always existed. He didn't have a beginning. He, he was from eternity to eternity. There's no beginning with God. Think about that. Our brain doesn't compute. When I think about that, just, how can God not have a beginning? Because we're just so used to beginning. God didn't have a beginning. It wasn't like there's nothing and then all of a sudden God. God was always there in existence, always self-existent. And yet in God, the Father, who he was as a person, because he's a person. He's not a force. He's not an energy. He's a person. 
He desired children. The dream for Father God to have children was in his heart for all eternity. It, 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 it didn't even have a beginning. His dream to want you didn't have a beginning. That's in the Bible. That this, that this, the Bible talks about it in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, according to the... According to what the, the eternal purpose, that's the scripture, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What did God accomplish in Christ Jesus? He brought his children back to himself. And the, and the Bible just said, Paul wrote, that it's an eternal purpose. So in the heart of God, you and I were an eternal purpose that he always wanted you as children. God is love and he wanted children to love. So, so we, we, we know the story in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis give us a, gives us a beautiful uh, picture of God the Father creating a home. This earth is basically God creating a home for his children, for mankind. And you find it in John chapter 1, where it talks about, he creates the stars, he creates everything. Verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them, the lights in the heavens, be for signs and seasons, for days and for years. So the stars and the sun and the moon and our galaxy and all the stars, they're in an absolute perfect orbit. They, just, they're in, they come around every so often. You know that. They're in, they're in a perfect regular orbit and it ministers to the earth. The whole universe out there that you see where God spoke into existence, I believe, is for seasons, days to minister to the earth. So basically the earth is in a sense the center of all of the universe because the earth, the whole universe ministers to this earth. Now the, the tides are affected by the, the stellars, the, the stars, the tides from the moon and, and all the things out there. Apparently, certain orbits that come around pull our gravity up and the star moves out and then pulls us and the earth back into orbit. It, it affects us because God created the stars to minister to the earth. The earth is like the center of God's attention. And, and, and he so creates this beautiful earth. Think about the earth without sin, without any death. It was beautiful. It was heaven. The earth, imagine, the pure Everything God created is full of life. You walk on grass, it bounces up. You, you plant a seed, it, it lives forever. It does, there's no death. That's, that's the earth God created. And then the, the whole purpose of the earth was to put the crown of his creation, mankind, in the earth. We've got to believe what the Bible actually says about the Father. He created you in his image and in his likeness, and he gave the earth as a home. When you look at the whole language of the Bible, the Word of God, the whole language of Scripture, Adam and Eve are referred to the sons and daughters of God, the Son of God, the daughter of God. The Bible refers to us as the children of God, the Son of Man. I mean, that, that, that's a phrase of family. Children of Israel. The Bible refers to the children of Israel as the children of Israel. Why children? Because they're the children of God. Abraham is referred to our father or even the father of our faith. Old Testament people and prophets refer to their fathers and our fathers. That's how they refer to Old Testament people when they're in the New Testament life. Jesus, well, what Jesus revealed to us, the greatest revelation of God is that God is our Father. And uh, 
Jesus is also referred to as our older brother in Hebrews. And this is, this is some good news. Our older brother, because it's all about family. I just want us to get this revelation. Our older brother Jesus is praying for us in heaven that we would do greater works than him. Isn't that good? Your older brother is praying for you right now in heaven as a high priest, the right hand of the Father, that you would do greater works than him. That is the, not just family. That's the family of the kingdom of heaven. Because a brother wants you to do better than them. Isn't that good? That's kingdom. No jealousy, no envy, no competition, no striving. It's like Jesus wants you to do better than him. I love that about the kingdom of God. Even elders is a phrase about family. Tribe, the tribe of Judah, the tribes of Benjamin. Even the tribe, it gives us a picture that we're all connected. In the first Timothy and second Timothy, it says that uh, treat younger, uh, younger women as sisters and older women as mothers. See the, the language? The Bible speaks of this right throughout the whole Word of God. I love 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this is the evident who are, that, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. No, sorry, verse, verse 1. I read the rest, wrong verse. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. This is how much he loves us, that he calls you his child. His, we, we, we are his children. And then this one here, it talks about, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Even the word of God separates the children of God and the children of the devil. There is no in-between. Why, why does the word of God refer to the children of the devil? Because when we are born... In Adam and Eve, when, he, when Adam and Eve, our fathers, because we're all connected, when they disobeyed God, they spiritually died. They lost the presence of God. They literally went into death. Their spirit man that was there died. Everyone that born after them is born into death, spiritual death. The Bible says we were dead in our sins and the trespasses of our sins. We were dead. When was I dead? I wasn't physically dead, but I was spiritually dead. You were spiritually dead. So when you're spiritually dead, you're still a child of the devil. And we, we inherit the judgment that's on our father, the devil. And that's why Jesus says a man must be born again. You must come from one kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You get born again. You, the, the spirit that was dead is resurrected and comes alive. How do you come alive? By hearing the gospel. The good news that Jesus died on the cross in our place is the message of our salvation. Jesus, who knew no sin... Dies on the cross as if he is the sinner. All our judgment was put upon him so that we could be free and it can be forgiven. And when I put my faith in him, the word of God, which is the gospel, comes into my heart like a seed. The Holy Spirit waters it, resurrects my dead spirit, and I come alive, you come alive. And we were in children of the devil, now we're children of God. There's only two families on the planet. Children of the devil inherit the nature of the enemy or the children of God that inherit the very nature of God. Amen? We get resurrected. I'm trying to help us understand the revelation that God gives us. I started thinking about what would it be like if there wasn't the concept of family. Imagine there's no concept of father, mother. No concept of children, no of family itself. Like what would we be? What would we be born into? We're so used to of that revelation of family. God is a father. But imagine if there wasn't such thing as being a father. I don't know. My brain started imagining. Imagine if raindrops came down from heaven and that seeded the ground and that's how you became a human. Just 
and then you, you're on your own. And you defend yourself like an animal. And there is no children. You can't have children. You're not a father. You're not a mother. We don't even understand the concept of family. Imagine what the world would be like. We take for granted this is a revelation of who God is himself. And, and we've come into family. Like, you know, the Greeks, the Italians, the European, Lebanese, they understand family. Spanish, a lot of those European countries, they do understand something about family. Like, uh, and my big fat Greek wedding, you know how they do everything together and everyone's involved in each other's life. And when they get married, they, get, they live next door. You know, like when I, when I went to Sicily and saw my family, they were all living next door. And not just next door, they were living on top of each other. They literally built on top. This is the next house, the next house. And my, my son's there, my daughter's there and with her family and fully contained homes. And, and, and they, they really understand family. You know, when we grew up in our family in Italian culture, every Friday we went and visited family. We'd ring them up at your home and we'd visit our cousins and our godparents and our uncles. And we, we'd visit regularly. That did something in me. Without me knowing, it did something to create a culture of family. Eating around a table every night. We actually sat down and ate together. Woo! Isn't that good? Because these days, it, people hardly do it. They're so busy running around, we're losing the very fabric of family. I'm telling you, the enemy wants to attack this. Because you know... You, you and I desire family deeply because we're created for it. It's made in God's image. We're made in His image. We're, we're made in His likeness. And there's something deep within us that desire, desires it. We don't even know it, but, you know, um, I, 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 I very I rarely now remember being you know, created by my parents and my mom or dad, the love or the affection and all that. I don't remember it, but, you know, when you're young, you remember it. I remember when I was five or six, I could remember that. But they say when you leave a baby on its own, no touch, no physical touch, no picking up, no cuddling, no showing love, no, no affection whatsoever. Just feed him. He'll stop growing and he'll end up dying. It's a proven fact. That's the, the need of family, the need of physical touch, of affection, of needing to be loved. So what happens, I believe the enemy has had an onslaught on family. He wants to attack the family unit because it reflects the image of God. He hates it to the core. So he wants to break up families any which way. He doesn't care how he does it. He'll use anything, whether it's uh, 70. I've I got these statistics. Let me just show you something. This is in, in America, there's, um, there's 24 million children growing up with one parent household. 24 million. It's about a third. You might think that's nothing, but one out of every three children either don't have a father or don't have a mother. And there are dire consequences. It's, there's a lot of problems because of growing up without a father or growing up without a mother or just having one parent. But um, the suicide rate of children growing up in a fatherless home, we are living in a fatherless generation. Even if you have a father at home, sometimes he's there, but he's not there. You know, like my dad, I wasn't very close with my dad growing up. I, I became a Christian at 19. And so my dad did his best to love me the best way he knew how, but he didn't know how to love and be intimate with me because he never received that from his father. So he just worked hard and was always out. And my, my reality with my father, and bless him because he did his absolute best, when he left and I was a little child at home, I, I was excited. I was so happy when he left the home for the day. 
And when he came home, I dreaded, oh, dad's home. Because there'll be tension, there'll be fighting maybe, or, or just he's, he's a bit more stricter and, oh, dad's home. And that's not a nice thing. You know, like you should be, can't wait till you see your dad. You know, growing up, I've got five children. Growing up, all my kids, when they were young, they couldn't wait to see dad. So if I came home and I, they can hear the keys in the, in the house, dad, 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 they drop everything. Dad, dad, Evangeline still does it. Dad, 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 dad. And hugs, big hugs. Why? Because they want to be connected. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted. Family makes you find your place. You find your belonging. You find your identity. You find your destiny. You find your purpose. I'm telling you, when you're loved and you know you're loved, it, it creates an identity that I'm loved. I'm accepted. My love tank is full. But when it's gone, this is the result. 63% uh, it causes three, 63% of youth suicides. These are people that commit suicide, that don't have fathers, 63%. Runaways, 90% of all homeless and runaways youths are, are fatherless. Runaways, uh, they're fatherless. Behavioral disorders, 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders didn't have a father growing up. 85%. High school dropouts is 71% of all high school dropouts didn't have a father. Juvenile detention rates, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions. That's high, 70%. Substance abuse is 75% that, you know, have uh, substance abuse is children that didn't have fathers. And 75% of rapists motivated by displaced anger because they didn't have a father. It does something. And again, what about the statistics where they did have a father, but the father didn't give what they needed to give? We're in a broken generation. We're in a place where we don't have a revelation of God. You know, I, I can tell you honestly, if I didn't become a Christian at the age of 19 and I got reconnected to my heavenly father, I would not have known how to father my children. I know that. I would have actually neglected them. I would have hurt them. I, I know that because I know who I am. I know who I was before I became a Christian. And I know that I was empty. I was full of selfish ambition and full of pride. I was on my way to just make myself a name for myself, all this wrong stuff. And unless I got reconnected to God, He came and healed my heart so that I could, in love, love them unconditionally. So the enemy doesn't care about the reason, whether it's born out of wedlock, which many have been, whether it's divorce, for many reasons. And I know we've got a high rate of divorce. And I'm not bringing this up for any, any past hurts, man. God is the God of restore. He can restore you. He can heal you. He can give you a second chance. He can, he, he can bring you back on track. But the enemy, we know he wants to bring breakups, division, divorce. Um, even, even we love the homosexual community. We love them. We, they, need, they need Christ like every person needs Christ. Everyone needs Christ, I believe. But the whole, whole um, agenda of same-sex marriage is to minimize or actually attack, they don't realize it, but attack the family unit. God gave man and woman, Adam and Steve, and they gave the ability to reprograde, to have children. Not Adam and Steve. I didn't say Adam and Steve. Adam and Eve. <laughs> but all, all, whether it's a de facto relationship. What's a de facto? I looked up the word de facto. We use it so commonly. You know, I'm in a relationship. I'm a de facto. It just means not legally bound. So, oh yeah, let's live together, and I can just leave any time it doesn't work. 
I'm not committed. I don't have responsibility. If it doesn't work, I'm out of here. That means you're not, that's not love. You're not committed, committed. Let's just try it. Let's see if it works. And that enemy will, will, will compromise God's revelation of family and his concept of family. You know, John the baptizer, in John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 27. I love this about John. He's amazing. John says this in verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from above. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, referring to himself, he's talking, Jesus is the bridegroom. He has the bride. Who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, I must decrease. What is he saying? He who has the bride is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. The children of Israel, the children of God are the bride. He's referring to you being the bride and Jesus being the bridegroom. Again, what a beautiful revelation that he's saying Jesus and his relationship with you is a love affair. It's a love affair between a bridegroom and his bride. What a great revelation that John has and, 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 and spoke and coined that he who has the bride, the people of God, he's in love with them. Amen? That's how God sees you. I love um, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. This, again, it's Jesus trying to get through to the culture of the day. They had such a wrong revelation of who God was. They saw God as a, as a sort of a harsh God and, a, and a, a God that you couldn't even say his name out publicly. They would not even say Yahweh publicly. They'd stop and write it out. And so Jesus, when he refers to God as his father, and in verse 11, look what he says. Verse 11, verse 11. He talked about before that, asking you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open. And he says, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, in verse 10, and he who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any, of, among, any father among you, will he, be, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent or a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now think about it for a second. It says, any father among you, if you ask for bread, would you give him a stone? I thought about that. I'm a dad. And my kids, when they're hungry, and they say, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. I, it doesn't even come across my mind. It doesn't even come across my mind to think, <laughs> I'm going to get a stone. Yeah. I'm just going to give my son a stone. Why? A stone will harm him. If he asks for egg, would I even think about getting a snake? Does it even cross our minds? Come on, as parents. Why even cross your mind? Because that's not nutritious. That's not beneficial. It's not going to bless them. It'll harm them. Right? And so, if you ask for uh, an egg, you won't think, oh, I'm going to get a scorpion instead. <laughs> like, no, no human being, no father's like that. You know, yet we blame God putting sickness on people. God's, Jesus is trying to shake people. God is not like that. God would never give you anything that harms you. He actually says, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask? 
Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. I'm telling you, when I got a revelation of that, and for many years I've been getting a revelation, and lately I got even more revelation, a deeper revelation. That's how the Word of God works. When I ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, I know it's His 100% will to pour out His Spirit on me. I know He's not holding back, like I don't hold back to, to give food to my children. You know how much you desire to give food to your children? We don't even know the concept of what it's like to put your kids in bed hungry. We don't, not in Australia. We don't even know. Day after day, I'm hungry, Dad. Daddy, I'm hungry. And they start to get skinnier and skinnier and lose weight and, and their belly start to pop and, and, and they're hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Have you got any food? No, I don't. It'll kill us, wouldn't it? You'd do anything to get food. But we don't know the concept of how much we would give food to our children. How much will our Father bless you when you ask Him? People in those days and in, people in these days don't have a revelation of God being a beautiful, good Father, good Daddy. It's so vital for us to get a revelation that He is a good Dad. When you've had not such a good relationship with your Dad, you need to have ongoing revelation of God as your Father. And I've, I can't say I grew up with an amazing dad. I mean, like I said, he did his absolute best. And if I didn't become a Christian, I'm sure I would have done the same that he did with me, with my children. But I thank God you can have a revelation of God as your father and pour that love into your children and break that curse. Amen? I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to hug. I, 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 I don't think my dad ever said I love you and hugged me, ever. But when we became Christians at 19, we'd hug him, tell him, I love you, love you, Dad, love you, Dad, and hug him. He didn't know what to do. His heart would melt. And we'd love you, Dad, we'd give him always a big hug. But he didn't know how to do that. But you, Carl, you know what I'm talking about? Luke, Luke 12, verse 32 says, Fear not, little children. This is what Jesus says about his father. Fear not, little children. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure. God the Father's pleasure to give us the kingdom. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you the domain of the king. God's kingdom. He wants to bless us. This has to filter everything on how we think. We, see, sometimes, we, like I said, we, the Bible says in Psalms that he places the lonely in family. So when you're lonely and maybe didn't grow up with a father and didn't have this belonging, this sense of identity, this sense of purpose, a sense of love, the knowing that you're special because your parents poured love into you. When you don't have that and God places you in a church family, sometimes you can push the very people that love you away. Because as a father, when I see a behavioral pattern that's going to destroy you, when I see something in your life, has happened a while ago, some person was lying and I said, listen, if you keep lying the way you're lying, if you keep lying to me the way you're lying, I'm not going to believe you anymore because it's outright lying. And for your benefit, if I don't believe you, other people won't believe you. And they'll eventually, they'll literally stop listening and stop wanting to even be around you if you're lying. You can't do that. It's not the behavior of the family of God. It's, it's the wrong. See, the family does have rules. There's values we've got to live by. And so, but you could, when I, when I spoke in love, I said, I'm doing this for your benefit because I want you to be accepted. I want you to be loved. But behaving like that, lying every moment and just making up lies for no reason, will not allow you to be accepted because you're pushing people away. Now, that person could easily think, why, take it personal and get hurt and get offended? Yet I've done it out of love. I honored him. I respected him. I did it kindly. I did it with love and faith that you can change and you can have a much better life. But can you see how sometimes 
for example, we could talk about family, talk about family, which I believe so much. And then we, you know, oh, I'm looking for family. And then you come and oh, I don't sense family. I don't feel family. Family takes time. Family means commitment. Family means working through issues. Family means you're committed. It doesn't mean you're perfect. A, a godly family, we're talking about God's family, doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're committed to each other because we're family. When you have an argument at home, you don't go, that's it, I've had enough, I'm going to look for another family down the road. <laughs> we don't do that because you're committed. You're in covenant. Yes, there'll be misunderstandings. Yes, there'll be... The, the, the beautiful thing about a family, everyone's gifted differently and thinks differently and they're gifted and wired up a certain way to perform God's way into the earth. And so in the home, we think differently. We behave differently. We want to administrate differently. Well, that's it. We've got to show grace and love for each other and acceptance and not judge and not criticize and not fight. And it's learning how to live together in family, even in church family. So how does God see... His children, right across the earth. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us one faith, one Lord, one God, one hope, one baptism. There's only one. God does not see all the division that we've created. You know, a lot of denominations, a lot of, you know, all the different religions in Christianity I'm talking about. So within Christianity, whether it's Presbyterian, Uniting, Baptist, this, that, Spirit-filled, Pentecostal, Evangelicals, whatever it is, God just sees one body. God sees a person that has faith in Christ, got born again, puts their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. He got resurrected from the dead, and he's walking with Christ as much as he can. He sees one body, one church, family. He doesn't see more than one. I'm telling you, actually right across the whole globe, he sees one. So then you need to see one. When we, used to, when we first got saved in the 80s, people would, the common conversation was, uh, what's your background? What's your domination? Uh, what's your belief? Don't even ask that. As long as they know Jesus, they're your family. Amen? It's, it's, it's really important to understand that. Like, you know, we, if we're family, it be, what's the word, bestowed upon me or it's... I, I'm indebted to some degree because I've moved into this area to, to introduce myself to the Anglican pastor. So we did. We got a hold of him and we met him. Beautiful man. His name is Matt. And, and if we're family, it's like we're here to help. We're here to support. What can we do to help you? We're here. Let's build a relationship. Let's have coffee. We, we're going to do that. And so we got to meet him and you know, all that. It's because we're family. Same with uh, Gary down the road, who was an old friend of mine for many years. We sat down. Like, you're honoring because you believe we're one so vital we we are family all around the world and uh because we're family like we've traveled around the world many many times but most places we go to we've been in people's homes we've lived in their homes because that's family i mean a nation apart from from new zealand from melbourne to adelaide to brisbane all the countries all the states in australia but also from new zealand to states to south africa to paris and we've got families here that stayed in someone, uh, Sarah, who stayed in the pastor living in Paris in their home when they were away. Now, we went to America, me and my family, with five children. It's not easy when you do five children. We knocked on someone's house through friendship and connection because they, they lead a church. We've never met them. We knocked on their house because they said, yes, they're going to host us. So complete strangers knocked on their house. Hi, we're here. <laughs> with five children. And they took care of us for about a week. Amazing. 
That's family. I'm just trying to help us see and filter how do we do life in the church. Family. So we're committed to each other. This is the language of family. This is in your Bible, in my Bible. The Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 13, I'm gonna, I won't have the time to go through every single scripture, but Colossians 3 verse, this is all biblical. Forgive one another, forbear one another, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Be of the same mind one toward another. Love one another. This is all the another scriptures. Because when you're in family, you've got to love one another, forbear one another, warn one another, greet one another with a holy kiss, bear you, bear you one another's burdens. When you're in family, you bear other people's burdens. Be kind to one another. Submit yourselves one to another. That's family. Lie not one to another. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is all scripture. Exhort one another daily. Speak not evil one to another. Grudge not one against another. That's family language. Family language. When, I don't know how we got it so wrong when you can read the Bible and the Bible tells you exactly how we should live. And then yet we look at the world and go, oh, the world's got that. Oh, yeah, the, world, the, the businesses have got that. The company's got that. That's how the company structure is. Let's adopt the company structure, which is a pyramid model. It's a pyramid, corporate ladder, climb up this hierarchy. God hates hierarchy. Hierarchy is not from the Bible. You can't find it. It's not there. But we, we've got this model, like, because we look at the world, well, they've got that, we better do that. Big guy up here, then the assistant, then the next assistant, got the big senior guy, and then, you know, and you literally almost climb the corporate ladder like the world does, which is so evil and wrong. It's just not God. God looks at family. Other models have turned that pyramid right upside down where the pastor's voted by the congregation. Vote him in, vote him out. We don't like him. No, get rid of him, sack him, get somebody else. Let's vote that person. Decisions are made only when everybody votes. And I'll tell you what, it slows everything down. Momentum now, nothing gets done because you have to have a meeting and everyone has to be consensus. It's just wrong. Everyone has to agree. This should be like this. And the leader leads from the front. Even as a father, you lead by example. Amen. In the next few weeks, I'm going to unpack, unravel, and try to explain how living within family, what it does to us. I believe it does give us purpose. I believe it gives us identity. I believe it gives us security. Uh, is that video? Is there a video ready? Can I just play that? Is that? Can we get that video ready? Um, the fatherless generation one. Yeah. Okay. Just watch this for a moment. Nearly forty percent of all children in the United States are born out of wedlock. Nearly 35% of Caucasian children are born out of wedlock. More than half of all Hispanic children in the U.S. are born out of wedlock. More than 70% of all African American children are born out of wedlock. Three children in America live in homes without their biological fathers. This means 24 million kids are growing up in homes without their dads. Children who grow up in fatherless homes are five times as likely to be poor. 
Fabulous boys and girls are two times as likely to drop out of high school, two times as likely to end up in jail, and four times as likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. 71% of pregnant teenagers grow up without a father. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state reform institutions grew up in single-parent homes or without parents. Children who grew up in fatherless homes are twice as likely to abuse alcohol or illegal drugs. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. For all the sons and daughters who are walking in the darkness, you are calling us to lead them back to Will you make a difference? Will you make a difference? Will you make a difference? So that I can live a better life. Will you make a difference? Will you make a difference? So I don't become a parent before I'm ready. You can make a difference. So that I don't have to give myself a way to feel loved. You can make a difference. So I don't have to get high to numb the pain. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. So I don't look to gangs to be my family. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. So that I don't have to learn what it means to be a man from the streets. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. So that I can experience the love of Christ. Beautiful. You've heard this saying that it takes a village to raise a child. I think there's a, there's a truth in that when it comes to we, the church, being the community, and we can mentor. So if you have family or friends, or you, there'll be people in this room that doesn't have a father at home. But you know, but you've got people to look to that you can be your mentors, that can help disciple you, that can speak into your life, that you just need to see that, you know what, that, that role model is possible. I can be that father. I can be that. And so you need to visually see that. That's why I believe in our togetherness, we can make a difference in a society that's lost it, lost to some degree. The enemy is attacking the very fabric of family. We need to bring that revelation back and live out family. Amen? And accept each other unconditionally. Amen? Isn't God good? I believe God wants to restore our hearts. I believe, I believe He wants to give vision back to people that lost vision and dreams. He wants to bring healing but maybe those that didn't grow up with a father. Don't get upset about it. Don't think, oh, that's it's not fair. I didn't have a father. You have God the Father. You can have a, a love, intimate relationship with God. Amen. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus. Because Jesus is our mediator. He's the one who took the penalty on the cross for our sins so that we could be delivered and free. The reason why, that's justice. Someone had to pay the price for our sins so that God could forgive us for free. If someone else like Jesus didn't die on the cross, you'd have to work for it and be good enough to be forgiven. And if you had to work for it, you have to be 100% perfect. So you could never have been forgiven. But the good news is Jesus paid the penalty on the cross so that we can receive forgiveness as a gift. Salvation is a gift. Amen. So those right here in this room, I just want to ask you, if you want to make peace with God and start a love relationship with the Father, just slip your hand up. We're going to pray for you to accept Jesus as your Lord. 
you're watching on Facebook or online, you can do this as well. Thank you. Thank you. You can do this as well. You can say yes to Jesus and accept Him into your life so you can have a love relationship with the Father. Amen. God is a beautiful Father. He's a loving God. He wants to forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. Wash you clean. If you haven't got that peace with God, you can do that right now. Just slip your hand up. Say, Leah, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus into my life. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you. Praise God. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Peace with God. He offers it for free. He offers it for free, but it costs Jesus everything. That's what love looked like. Jesus hanging on the cross for our sins. Anybody else? Everything you've ever done wrong, God is offering total forgiveness when you make this covenant with God, when you make a decision to follow Him, turn away from your sin and say, Jesus, I'll make you Lord of my life. Anybody else? Just sit your hand up. It's a beautiful thing. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's just pray this prayer. Can we just all pray this prayer all together and join the people that have made decisions? And if you pray this prayer with us right now, God will accept you and forgive you. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place to forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me clean. I open up my heart. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Be my saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.